unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So what was your reaction when you got the green light? <laughs> uh, yeah, I get this text and it says, uh, Goshen is a go. And uh, yeah, I cried. I mean, I called up my, my partner uh, who had also kind of given up. I was just kind of defeated about it. And, uh, and he happens to be LDS, um, one of my partners in the project. And, and we just, we, we could barely talk. It was like, man, God is so amazing, like how he works. I, and, and, and I told my wife, and I'm like, you were right. He took us to the edge of the Red Sea so that when the waters parted, we knew it was him. All right, everyone, welcome back to Saints Unscripted. We're here once more with Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen. Um, Dallas, welcome back. Glad to be back. I, I, I refer to this sometimes as the scene of the crime. Last time I was on with you, I, it was one of my favorite interviews, and I, I really want to give you credit for that. You uh, are a tremendous, I don't know if I don't want to use the word broadcaster, but at least at the very least conversationalist, and uh, it ended up causing uh, a lot of fandom but also some controversy and uh, which is all great i love it so I'm, I'm happy to be back well i'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about it and uh, i'm sorry for the trouble it may have caused you but uh i'm glad my communications degree is is actually coming in handy yes. yeah i have one too maybe that's why we talk well together oh great so. okay so well first of all i want to let our viewers know that um season two of the chosen is coming out well it's already out we're at the time of filming this we're uh at episode four just came out a few days ago. Not sure how many will be out by the time this airs, um, but holy cow, you guys got to see it. It's free. There's an app, and, and it's just it's it's tremendous. As I'm sure you already know, because you're probably watching this because you saw Dallas's face on the thumbnail, and you were like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's the guy from The Chosen," and I got to watch this. So yeah, definitely watch it. Um, also, to our viewers, I want you to know that that every attempt has been made to make my mustache not look super creepy, but I don't know if those attempts have succeeded or failed. If I, if I still look like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> dang, so be it. Yeah. Um, Dallas, thank you for being here on our humble little Latter-day Saint channel. Um, I know you're an extremely busy guy. You've got back-to-back -back stuff going today, and uh, it, it means a lot that you take time out of your day to do this. So jumping right in, in preparation for this interview, I was, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I watched an interview that you recently did um, with a nice lady, um, and holy cow, she grilled you. She really uh, put you on the ropes there a little bit about the Latter-day Saint faith, which I found extremely interesting because, one, you're not a Latter-day Saint, you're an evangelical, but... I really wanted to start this interview off by just from the bottom of my heart, thanking you for how you handled that. She put some tough questions to you. She's obviously not a big fan of the Latter-day Saint faith. Um, she seems very eager to, to um, you know, explain to Latter-day Saints what they believe, which is always, you know, a treat for us Latter-day Saints. But... Um, she grilled you on, on not just what your beliefs are, but what your understanding of Latter-day Saint beliefs are and how you feel about those beliefs. Obviously, you disagree with 
you know, plenty of our beliefs and you were not shy about making that known. Um, but you were careful not to speak for our faith. Uh, you were careful to recognize nuance in our faith and to recognize that sometimes there are misunderstandings about faiths that you, you may be less familiar with. And you did it in a way that I think was not only respectful to us, but, but also was conveyed very well where you stand. And, and where you stand is you disagree with us on many issues, and that's totally fine, but you had the opportunity to throw us under the bus and to, you know, engage in some friendly banter at our expense, and you didn't. And as a faith that, frankly, is not super well-liked, uh, if I'm being totally honest and speaking in generalizations here, uh, that means a lot. And so I wanted to thank you for, for that show of respect. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to make very clear, M Melissa, uh, who did the interview with me, I, I, she's great. Uh, she's become a friend, I think, through that process. Uh, the interview, I think, was fair. She's tough, obviously. I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't think, uh, you, I don't think you become uh, a successful commentator like she has become without being tough, but also fair. So I really enjoyed the, the conversation. And I think it's also very important to make clear that like I've had a few Latter-day Saints tell me, thank you so much, like you just said, for, uh, you know, for that. I, I didn't really do it. I hope this comes out right. I didn't do it to be an apologist for the LDS faith I, or to even be a defender of the LDS faith. Um, it really is for me about the fact that I disagree with several tenants, uh, including some big ones uh, within, the, within the LDS faith, but I don't believe that my LDS friends or my Catholic friends, or my Greek Orthodox friends, or my Jewish friends, or my evangelical friends, and that's the key, or myself, have the monopoly on criticizable theology, or have the monopoly on a need for the Savior. And some people have said to me, well, through this show, you it's important that when you are with people of other faiths, or people who have it wrong, that you evangelize. And there's concern from some people, evangelicals in particular, because I'm surrounded on this project by so many people of all different faiths. For some reason, they seem to care more about the LDS people I'm with than anyone else. I'm not quite sure why that is. But LDS, Catholic, agnostic, atheist, um, all stripes of the spiritual or lack thereof rainbow. And there seems to be this perception that I'm supposed to take advantage of every opportunity I have to not only share my faith and not only portray the Jesus of the Gospels, but to counteract, argue with, point out the wrong, correct, etc., of any other faith that might have it wrong. And I just don't believe, A, that that's my role. Um, I believe my role primarily is to accurately portray the authentic Jesus to a billion people around the world. And I'm in my own church, surrounded by, occasionally, I shouldn't say surrounded by, but I know people who also have things in their faith or in their relationship with God that could use some education, could use some buttoning up, could use some um, improving, uh, some clarity, some maturity. And I consider that to be true of myself. So to me, I, look, I loved the interview. I love Melissa. I think it's great. I think she had the opportunity to share what she 
passionately believes about the LDS faith. So I don't think anyone can come away from that video confused about where she stands on it. Um, I don't think people know exactly where I stand on all of it. And I think that's okay. Cause again, on a public forum, I don't believe it's my job, nor do I believe it's really right for me to speak authoritatively or intelligently about the nuances of the LDS faith. I'm not LDS. I have to say, your website doesn't do you any favors necessarily because it includes so many things that every now and then I'll go to a, uh, an LDS friend of mine and I'll say, so why does it say this? And what do you believe about this? And they'll go, yeah, that's from X person who, you know, that's not canon. That's uh, some one person's belief and it's not necessarily everyone's belief or whatever it is. And so, uh, but that, that's more of a marketing thing than anything. I, I don't get into that, but uh I'll just say, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. I, and it, it all came out of my conversation with you. I said that you, um, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Um, it's gotten me in a lot of trouble, but I still believe that. And I'm not, I, I have a bit of a superpower in that I don't really care <laughs> if, 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 if something that I say that I passionately believe is, is uh, criticized. Um, I care, of course, if I'm wrong. I care if I, I, I believe in healthy um, correction, but I, I also when I went, I went back to the interview, my, my conversation with you, and I was like, did I, what did I say that was that caused this much uh, angst for some people? And I believe actually in the first interview, I was pretty nuanced with you. I actually said I'm not LDS. I disagree with a lot of LDS things. Uh, it's just that the people that I know, at least the majority, um, especially when we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of the Gospels, we love the same Jesus. We may have some strong differences of opinion, and you may you may believe some things about Jesus before uh, he before the Gospels, and particularly after the Gospels. But I, I believe that I have come to know deeply um, some LDS folks that I would die for, that I would crawl on glass with, that I have crawled on glass with for this project, and who share my belief to make the authentic Jesus known to the world. And if it's a different Jesus, then they're actually really bad because they're working really hard to get this show out to the world. And uh, so if it's part of some really big con, uh, it's, it's a really bad one because uh, we are all, plan. yeah, it would be, it's, it's a, you're doing a really poor job of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so much of my relationship with the LDS uh, folks has been absolutely beautiful and we've all been unified in uh, the, the Jesus that I'm portraying. That was a really long answer to your question, but I, I it's it. just, this is a huge, huge topic and it's uh I, it's very important to, to love it and, and i think a lot of it comes down to you know perspective um I, I heard you in the other interview i don't know if we talked about this in our previous interview but uh you know if we both have a mutual friend but you think he's five two and i think he's five six you know are we talking about a different person or do we just have different understandings of the same person and, and, and so I get that there are different perspectives on this, and I understand where people are coming from when they say that we believe in a totally different Jesus. And if they want to go with that perspective, more power to you. But uh, I, I tend to agree with you that, that I think that obviously we believe different things about Jesus, but I think that I we just unify. Yeah, I, I, yeah I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I think I personally think, I've got to be careful when I say this, but I personally think that the phrase, we believe in a different Jesus is just intellectually simple. Um, and, I, and, and, and some people might think that's a very good thing. So intellectual simplicity can be very important. I just believe it's too simple. I personally believe that's too reductive of a sentence. Um, I would say 
um, that if I just said all LDS and all evangelicals believe or love the same Jesus, I believe that would be reductive as well. Um, I believe that you have to take it on a case-by-case basis and a person-by-person basis. And I think there are some people whose beliefs about Jesus are so extreme or so different that maybe it's it's fair to say, well, they, you just believe in a, in a different Jesus. But my goodness, I, I just, I've, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours, if that, that's, that's conservative, praying with, talking with, exploring with, working on the same uh, project with, uh, a project that's centered around Jesus with LDS friends um, that I'm extraordinarily close to. And um, I, I, the notion that, that, that they believe in a completely different Jesus is uh, foreign to me. I, I've, I've met some people who do believe in a different Jesus, but um, I, I'm, I can't speak for everybody. I'm just speaking for, for my experience. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think it's exactly that nuance that I appreciate so much because it's taking, I, I think, You've mentioned that, uh, I think you've mentioned that, that uh, people aren't looking to be convinced of something different than they already believe, right? I think that uh, you've talked about this when, uh, in terms of episode two of, of season two of The Chosen, right? When we're talking about Nathaniel and, um, and his oh, friend. Yeah. Um, and so I think that sometimes people look for quick ways to, to just kind of shrug things off, right? And, and sometimes you know, we believe in a different Jesus is, is a way to do that. So I appreciate that nuance and, and the time that, uh, that you've taken yeah. for that. And I think, yeah, and I think this applies to multiple topics, like you said. So in episode two of season two, it's based on the scripture where Philip goes to find his friend Nathaniel, and he says, you've got to come meet this Jesus, and he's the Messiah. And, 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 and when he mentions that he's from Nazareth, Nathaniel immediately writes it off. And he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip, instead of trying to convince him of Nazareth and try to argue about Nazareth, all he says is, come and see. Just, just check it out. And that's how I feel about a lot of things, is I have been proven wrong so many times um, when it comes to my, not necessarily my, my beliefs, although I've been, I've been wrong about my beliefs before, not just spiritually, but just in, in, in multiple ways been wrong before, but, but where I'm most often wrong and where I find most people are wrong is their perception of other people's beliefs. Mm. And so when he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he starts rattling off all the problems with Nazareth. That is so common where people go, can, it, can anything good come from this person? Can anything good come from this group? It, it becomes a safety net and a security blanket for us to demonize those who are other. Yep. And you see it, and it goes both ways. I'm, I'm not going to turn this political, but it, because it absolutely goes both ways. It is just easier for uh, Democrats to believe Republicans are racist and homophobic. It's easier for Republicans to believe that Democrats are baby killers and hate their country. And it just makes it, it, just makes it easier to kind of exist in this cocoon of security that I don't have to question my own uh, philosophies because... Uh, if I did, I, I, I would be on the same team as these horrible people. Mm. And that, that applies to um, spirituality as well. It's, uh, I, I believe it's, it's easy to confuse the importance of truth, the importance of foundation. I believe in my faith as a rock-solid foundation. But that doesn't mean that I can't ever be open to being wrong about some of the nuance, but most importantly, wrong about what others may believe and how they may see things. 
And I just want to get that right first, and then we can debate. But I at least want to have clarity on what you believe. And, um, and I think that's the first step. And I believe that a lot of people aren't willing to take that step. And I see it all the time with The Chosen, because what happens with The Chosen is it unifies millions of people all over the world, Catholics, LDS, evangelicals, Greek Orthodox, whatever. They all come to the fan club or they all come to the comment section. They're all there to watch the same show. And they go, wait a minute, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and that's, uh, and then they, then they start getting into the nitty gritty. So you could do that. You could say, you're not supposed to be here. And here's why. Or you could go, huh, I didn't expect to see you here. Let's talk. And even if your whole goal is to change them, even if your goal is to prove that you're right and they're wrong, strategy dictates you should come at it from a conversational, relational perspective that's one-on-one, -on -one, as opposed to, I'm going to stand up or I'm going to make a public post that says, we are all correct, you are all incorrect. Yeah. Strictly from a strategic perspective, I don't see how that's, how that's beneficial. Yeah, just the basic idea that you'll catch more flies with what is how does the saying go sugar than uh with with honey yeah with catch more man i botched that idiom um <laughs> that's because you're all the s and you guys don't understand uh, <laughs> we don't drink how it works wait a minute yeah <laughs> uh, uh yeah but no it's it's honey you're gonna catch more flies with honey than vinegar and um that's yeah that's true but i think the i think the biggest thing is I just want to. I, I just want to be a man who, when I die, spent more time showing Jesus to the world, showing the authentic Jesus to the world, than trying to spend time disproving other Jesuses or Absolutely. misunderstandings. Uh, and even if I believed that that some other faiths believe in a counterfeit Jesus, um, even if I believe that, then you know the FBI trained their forces you know who were designed to find counterfeit bills they didn't try to have them study all the hundreds of different counterfeit bills they had them become absolute lockdown experts on the real thing mm. and that way they could spot the counterfeit immediately and so for me um, my job and my calling is to present the authentic jesus to the world so that if someone does come across a counterfeit version or a false belief that they will spot it. And I just personally believe that that is happening in every faith tradition. Mm. Um, that there are people who believe in something false, including my own. And uh, that's, and including myself, I'm certain that I am wrong about some things. And uh, it's just important for me to focus on the authentic Jesus. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I absolutely love the idea that uh, sometimes you have to ask, Lord, is it I? Am I the one that needs to to explore a little nuance or, or learn something new about someone else? Uh, love it. Um, maybe one more comment on this kind of controversy. There seems to be this fear almost that because of your association with Latter-day Saints, and it is interesting, you mentioned that people are more concerned about your association with Latter-day Saints as opposed to, you know, atheists or these other groups, which, you know, there are great people everywhere. But, but there's this fear that because of your association with Latter-day Saints, something might become tainted in the content of the chosen. Um, obviously, I don't speak for all Latter-day Saints. Right. But if I had the opportunity to influence 
the chosen. I don't think I'd change a dang thing. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I think the Jesus that is portrayed is great. Um, I don't know if that is going to bring comfort to to people that are concerned about this issue or make them even more terrified that, that we've, you know, slipped things in there. But, uh, uh, but hopefully it's comforting that I don't, I don't think that Latter-day Saints have any issue with what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah, there's been a few, I mean, you know, you see in the comments sections, there's been many Latter-day Saints who were concerned because we were using the set that's owned by the church in Goshen, Utah, uh, that they were endorsing the evangelical perspective or endorsing the show per se. Uh, and I've made it very clear. The LDS church is just as passionate about saying we're not endorsing or officially involved in this show anymore that I'm endorsing or am officially involved with the LDS church. Uh, we are using the set. They believe that the show is a good thing. Obviously, if they didn't believe it was a good thing, if they had believed it was damaging, they wouldn't let us use it. Uh, they have the opportunity to make sure that we are not doing anything that would embarrass the church or contradict the cause of Christ or contradict the character intentions of the gospels. Um, but otherwise they have no interest in trying to influence the show. Uh, I have had zero pushback on anything uh, in the content of the show. And I work with uh, from the church, first of all, but also with those that I work with um, who have outright said they don't want to have influence on the show. Uh, other than the fact that they want it to be a show about Jesus. I don't really honestly know. There's not a whole lot of things in the Gospels that I can think of, other than perhaps certain beliefs about when Jesus took on the sin of the world, whether it was in Gethsemane or when it was on the cross. Um, some of those types of things, like what Jesus meant by a couple different things. But let's just say worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, me being around LDS folks has somehow more of an impact on my creativity than being around the atheists or agnostics or Catholics or Greek Orthodox or whatever else that I'm around. And somehow I'm going to get influenced uh, by something untoward or different than what my entire 45 years of life have brought me to. Let's just say that happens. I don't even know what that would look like. Like, is, is Jesus going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane going, oh my goodness, and kind of look at the camera and say, the weight of sin is all being held at this moment right now, or, or yeah. is he going to be on the cross and Mary's going to be like, Oh Jesus, you're experiencing the weight of sin all at once. And he's going to be like, no, no, that already happened last night. Um, I just, I don't know what that would look like. So, you know, a, there, there's no, we don't have those kinds of discussions. Uh, there's, there's been no, Hey, wait a, wait a second. That might turn off some LDS folks. So be careful. There's been none of that. There's been I, there's been nothing but absolute freedom and absolute unity about um, this is the show. This is a show we love. We don't want to get in the way of it. And uh, as long as you're not, uh, you know, outright clearly contradicting scripture or embarrassing um, the church, then we're, we're thrilled to let you use the set. And my partners are thrilled to to be part of the show. And I don't have any plans anytime soon to contradict scripture or to embarrass anybody, much less those who have the hospitality of, of, of hosting us at their, at their set. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Um, and I want to talk more about the set because last time we talked, I think we talked a little bit about uh, a little bit off camera after our interview. Um, you were still in search of where you were going to film season two and it was looking like the, the Goshen Utah set might not work out. Um, you'd mentioned 
I think in your announcement video, you mentioned that there were some uh, concerns with COVID, and I'm sure there were other pieces of red tape to, to traverse, um, but ultimately you said that no's turned into yeses. Um, I'm curious, I don't know if you can tell me, but can you give us any insider details on how that played out um, and, and how that came to be? Yeah. It I'm going to, I'll be cautious and I, I'll probably try to avoid names just because I'm not certain how much I'm allowed to, to say, because sure. I, I definitely want to make it very clear again before I share anything that the LDS church does not formally endorse the show. It is not in partnership. There is no formal alignment other than that they allowed us to use the set. And um, I would say, I don't think that, that those who I spoke with who are in leadership at the LDS church would deny their, their, excitement about the show. But as a church, a formal church, there is no formal alignment. I just want to make that clear. So uh, we, we were told all, no. We all know President Nelson's watching it with his family on Saturday nights. Like, I would not be <laughs> whatsoever. But anyways, yes, there's no, there's no formal endorsement. Got it. Right. So I'll make that very clear. And I'm not going to speak for anyone, which is why I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably just going to avoid using names just, just to be safe. Sure. But uh, we were told no. Uh, we got, we were getting close. There was some excitement within some of the leadership of the church. And then ultimately there's a committee that makes those, these, these decisions. And they said no for multiple reasons, including COVID. And, you know, of course we are the first non LDS organization or people to, to ever use the set in 10 years. So it's much easier to just kind of continue that uh, than not. But I, but I also know that there were some within the church who said, no, though this was intended to be used, not just uh, for ourselves, not just, for our own projects. But when there is a project that we believe in that, that could be benefited by this set that we believe could benefit the world, um, let's use it. That said, we were told no. And the no was given like right at the beginning of July. And July is the month when all of the leadership, at least the top leadership, again, I'm, I'm gonna probably use wrong terms, um, but the quorum of the 12 and the first presidency, those are the terms that I think I'm pretty, I've learned. Yeah. Um, they're gone for a month. I mean, they are off the grid. And for a decision of this level of import, they, they, need, to, they need to make that decision. And so we were told no. And then it was like, well, we don't, we, we don't have time to wait until they get back to ask. So I had moved on. I, I had resigned myself to it. And yet there were people like my wife and a few others for whom they believed that God had really laid it on their hearts that we were going to be using the set. And I remember when I visited the set, I felt when I stepped on, when I set foot on that set, and I had not wanted to, I did not want to have been there, to be there. I didn't want to get my hopes up. Um, I set foot on that set, and I felt the presence of God, and I felt like um, this is right. And I felt, uh, and I'm always very hesitant to share these kinds of things, but I really felt like God was laying it on my heart, like lives are going to be impacted because of what you do here, and this is going to be used for a purpose that's going to impact the world. And I didn't know. You know, you never know when you hear, when you, or at least when you believe you're hearing from the Lord, if it's you or it's your brain or if it's, you know, the, what you ate that morning or if it's God. But I, I just really felt strongly. And so we were told no. I was like, wow, okay, I guess I was wrong. That wouldn't be the first time. And yet my wife and a few others were like, nah. My, my wife specifically said, I just think God is taking you to the edge of the Red Sea so that when the waters part, you'll know it was him. And... Uh, <clears throat> I just thought, well, that's, that's a nice platitude, we'll, we'll see, but it was a no, and I don't know, I didn't know what else we could do. And I remember I went to the farm 
where I shot the original pilot episode, The Shepherd. That's kind of where I go about once a year to kind of, it's kind of my, where I really get alone with God. And, and I just, I was at my end. I'm like, we don't have a place to shoot. And I don't know. I just don't know what to do. And I quoted some song lyrics that I, that were very powerful. But at that time, like literally when I was recording that video, um, some of my partners um, in the project also kind of felt compelled by God to just get on their knees and pray. And there was a gentleman who is not a leader in the church, but who's very involved in the LDS church who was woken up at like five in the morning and just felt like God was like a sledgehammer saying, call this elder who's in the, in the 12 and tell him like, talk to him about the chosen. So he calls him up and this elder was literally leaving for his, I don't know what they call it, vacation or furlough or whatever you guys call it, but to be gone for the month. And the guy said, you, you know, you really need to watch the chosen really need to check this project out. He goes, Oh, I actually have that DVD on my desk right now. And I'm, I'm walking out of my office at, right now to leave for the month. And I'll just take this DVD with me. Someone had given him the DVD. So he took it with him. Apparently he's, he's quite advanced in years. Uh, I'll say and a bit, but still, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't narrow it down. So, but uh, <laughs> he, binge watched the entire first season in five hours. And the reason that I say that that's interesting is I just never expected people at that age to, to like this show. It's not a, I didn't expect kids to love it. And I didn't expect senior citizens to love it. And maybe that's just my own prejudice, but I just, I thought it would be too, just, it's not, a, it's a non-traditional Jesus show. And uh, he called up a couple other elders and said, we need to, we need to be involved in this somehow. Like we need to, like, I, I, from what I've heard, there's, they want to use the set. We, we need to listen. We need to hear them out. This is, again, this is during the month of July. So I was granted an audience with two of the top leaders in the church. And I just said right off the bat, I mean, this is what was so great about the conversation is I just said, look, I'm, I'm an evangelical. I don't like, cause a few people who heard that I was going to get a chance to talk were like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you have this opportunity. And I just said to them right off the bat, I said, look, I don't, you know, you can only go downhill from here because everything I've heard about you is too good to be believed. So I'm sure that you can't live up to what everyone has said about you. And as an evangelical, I, I don't, I don't know enough anyway. So I hope that's okay. And I mean, they were just so great and so gracious and funny and appreciated some of my, I don't know if it's authenticity, if that's what you want to say, but my, my nature, I guess we just really collect connected. And I think they just heard my heart. And I just said, look, I don't want to, if you don't feel right about this, if you feel like this is too risky, don't do it. I, I I, I'm on, I'm living on God's timing and God's will on this project. And if we're not supposed to be at the set, I don't want to be there. And if you don't feel right about it, say no. And we just had a really great conversation and prayed together and connected. And uh, they just, I think they just felt uh, good about it and recommended it to the first presidency. And we got, we got a yes the very next day. Like it was like the whole thing happened in like three days and which is unprecedented from what I understand. <laughs> And, uh, and not, not, not the way things typically work. So again, to be clear, just because I know things that I can say on videos can be taken out of context. Yeah. The LDS Church as an organization does not formally endorse the project. But I know that the, in the leadership, that I, did, I do believe or I know that they felt comfortable with our hearts and our mission and that we have the same mission, which is to make the authentic Jesus known to the world. And this show, I believe they believed is worthy of... Um, having the word spread about it and worthy of a set like that. I mean, it is the most extraordinary set I've ever been on. And it is a testament to service to God. I mean, the people who built that set, the people who volunteered for it, the designers, um, 
the people who steward it uh, are doing it for the glory of God. And I feel fortunate and grateful to be a part of it. So what was your reaction when you got the green light? <laughs> uh, yeah, I get this text and it says, uh, Goshen is a go. And uh, yeah, I cried. I mean, I called up my, my partner uh, who had also kind of given up. He was just kind of defeated about it. And, uh, and he happens to be LDS, um, one of my partners in the project. And, and we just, we, we could barely talk. It was like, man, God is so amazing, like how he works. I, and, and, and I told my wife, and I'm like, you were right. He took us to the edge of the Red Sea so that when the waters parted, we knew it was him. And uh, it, was, it was really something. I just felt this sense of relief because, look, I, I was perfectly willing to go anywhere. I, I, I don't believe the show needs the set to be impactful. But it sure as heck didn't hurt. And and uh, if you've seen if you've seen the first four episodes, some of them are, don't weren't at the set. But episode four, we really feature the set, and it is something. And uh, and the, the show is better for it. And I believe lives are being well. I know lives are being impacted because of what we did there. And it's been it's been beautiful to be, to be a part of. And we're going to do it again. We'll, we'll we'll be back. Is that is that the plan to to film in perpetuity there? Well, not all the time. So we're building our own set in Texas. And in fact, I'm moving to Texas this summer. My family is moving. The majority of our filming is done in Texas. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the Utah set, but we just need to have our own space um, that we can kind of make our own. And uh, it, the, the Utah set is like permanent. It's a solid thing that you can like, and we need to be cautious with it like we do with any sets that we rent, which, I, which is totally great. Yeah, but uh, we needed to build our own thing for our own purposes and set up our own permanent home. And um, so we're, we're doing that, but we still will use the set when, when, it, when it makes sense. And it will likely make sense at least once every season. And then when we get to the seasons five and six, which is when Jesus comes to Jerusalem and when he gets crucified and all that stuff, spoiler alert, Jesus gets crucified. Um, most of, I think most of that, it would be foolish for us to try to match what, uh, what was done in Goshen. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to use that set as long as I don't do anything between now and then that upsets the apple cart or offends anybody. <laughs> well, that's a, that's, I had no idea the, the backstory there. I mean, you mentioned in your announcement of this, when you got the green light, um, you said, you know, you guys prayed and this is what happened. Um, but hearing that story from you, it's almost like you can just see God's hand you know, at every step of the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the course of a few months, someone would be just woken up and yeah. got, they just felt like God was like, call this person, like talk about the chosen with this person, educate this person. And there were people in, in the LDS church for whom that was happening, people outside who was, for whom that was happening, but who had the right conversations. So yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I mean, that's how this whole show has gone. I mean, it's honestly... So many times we're, we we call them Red Sea moments where we just are left with no options, and then, you know, yeah. the, the the waters part, and uh, and we're just like, well, okay, it's it's uh, as I said in one of my videos, uh, this great song uh, called Faithful Now, where it says, "You've been faithful then, you'll be faithful now." And I don't always get to see, I don't always get to understand, and uh, there have been many moments where I've been like, I have no idea why this is happening, I have no idea what's going to happen but you've been faithful then and you'll be faithful now. And that's, that's the story of our show. Wow. I'm confident that it's a spirit led thing. It's a, it's a God led thing. And I love to, to hear these stories of how God is manifesting himself in, in the whole process, no matter which faith you belong to. Um, yeah. First of all, 
I got to give you props cinematographically. Is that how you say that? Cinematographic? That's not really a word. I don't know. Photographically, (laughs) cinematographically. I don't know if there's a word. (laughs) Thank you. I'm guessing you're saying you like the cinematography. Yeah, well, you're doing some different things in in a couple episodes, and I think that's really cool. You've got kind of a 1917 uh, long shot, I think, in episode two, three. Three. Um, Three. And episode four begins with an incredible montage, silent montage with, with the incredible music and whatnot. So just, I just wanted to recognize that, that so you're doing some different stuff and I think it's working really well. Um, what has been the most challenging aspect of season two so far? Yeah, everything. Um, like when I look at episode four, for example, episode four is the most challenging thing I've ever done in my career. Uh, there's so many puzzle pieces that had to be put together. So you just use, for example, the first 10 minutes, which were a montage of single shots, very little editing, very little camera, different camera, very few camera angles. We're trying to tell the story of essentially 30 plus years of a relationship between two brothers. And we were inspired by the movie Up. There's no question about that. We, we don't deny that. Uh, that was a big inspiration for how they did it, that brilliant montage at the beginning of the movie Up. So we were trying to capture that a little bit. Um, but until you see it together, and then you look at the end of episode four, which I won't give anything away, but the end of episode four is extraordinarily complex. And there's slow motion, there's regular speed, there's, uh, there's silence, there's loudness. Um, I mean, it is just, it is, it is a massive, massive puzzle. And all of our departments working individually to do something great but then also it has to be in unison and my job is to collect all of that and put it into a whole w-h-o-l-e and to to do that i didn't know if the episode was going to be good until a few days before we released it because it's not until then where you hear all the music and the audio effects that you that we did and um the different bold choices that we made i mean it's as simple as like in that opening 10 minute montage do I have any dialogue that's kind of in the background or do I make it totally silent with just music? Um, when do we reduce the, the, the audio? Because the opening shot, you see a kid climbing up a, a tree and then he falls. So there's audio in that, but then the music, it's all those little things um, that, that when you make that decision that's so unique and so different from the norm, you don't know until it's completed if it's gonna work. And then you still don't know if, it's, if the audience is gonna like it. You know, I mean, I had people who saw episode four, which I believe is, our most artistically accomplished episode we've ever done, who said, yeah, didn't love it. I loved episode three, which is as simple as possible. It's all one location and it takes place over the course of, you know, a few hours. And uh, the first half is all one shot, you know. So everyone has their own different opinion, but but the whole show is difficult. The whole show is a, a testament to God's favor because so often we're just put, in this awkward position where we don't know what to do. So you wanted short answers to your questions and I, I got to get back on that train. So ask the rest of your questions and I promise I will keep them okay. as short as possible. Okay. Um, let's see. So I, I wanted to ask a question about the actors uh, or, or the main characters, main actors of season two. Um, these aren't people that, you know, people are used to seeing on the big screen. Um, how are they doing? How are they doing with their kind of, I mean, The Chosen has exploded. It's, it's extremely popular and it's only going to get more popular. They've kind of fallen into 
this situation where they're suddenly quite well known, I would assume, how are they handling it? Great, as far as I know. I mean, I, you know, I think they're going to end up struggling with some of the same, same things that anyone struggles with, which is, do you believe your own hype? Uh, or do you believe your own criticism? I mean, all of them get 98% praise and adulation for their performances, and they love that. But there's always going to be people who criticize or who anytime, if, if they say anything personal or political or whatever, uh, they're going to get broadsided in that way. So I hope that they're getting used to that as well. But uh, sometimes the praise and the, the quote-unquote fame can be worse than the, the criticism. So I think, I feel like though the show is, is going at a measured pace. So I feel like they've had time to kind of adjust to it. And we have people on our team who are social media brand experts and uh, who, are, who are giving advice. And, uh, you know, I think we're all trying to maintain a sense of groundedness. I, you know, I've, I've had meetings with all of them where I just say, guys, let's never lose sight of this. The unity that we have, the, the joy of the art, you know, we're, we're doing it for the, 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 the project, you know, we're not doing it for the audience, even though we want the audience to love it, of course. But when we're in this moment, when we're doing a scene, we're doing it because we want it to be a great scene. And uh, we all have different motivations. I mean, my motivation ultimately is to bring the authentic Jesus to the world. That's not necessarily all of their motivations. But at the very least, what we can be unified on is when we're shooting a scene, all that we're thinking about is how do we make this scene as good as it can be. And I don't want us to start thinking about our own reputations or uh, anything else. So they're, they're doing, I, I believe they're doing well with it. I'm sure there's some storms coming where, you know, some, some uh, egos may get involved or whatever, but oh, so far it's, it's been a family. Well, the fact that you, that you condescend to come down to our humble little channel for another interview uh, at this point in the popularity of The Chosen is a testament to your, your groundedness and we appreciate it. Oh, hey, you, were, you were there before the show was cool. So I, uh, I, I love that. And I, like I said, I, pre I, I just love good conversations and you're, you're great at that. Thank you. I, I, I will wear the label of original gangster proudly. Original Chosen <laughs> Gangster. Um, okay, last question. How has The Chosen and this, uh, this whole project changed you and how do you hope it changes the people that are watching well i think it's somewhat old news that the biggest change in my life is that i know that it's not my job to feed the five thousand; it's only to provide the loaves and fish and for me that was a life-altering realization and and then executing that is its own thing it's its own challenge so living that out it has been a continual sanctification. Um, I am continually realizing, okay, all I can do is make the best five loaves and two fish that I can. It's not, it's, it, God can choose to feed the 5,000 if he, if he wants. And that applies to the final product, but it also applies to just day-to-day -day decisions sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, what do I do next? And I, I've reached the end of it. Um, like I said, we call, we call them Red Sea moments. So I'm really finding myself comfortable in those Red Sea moments, in those moments where the Israelites are being chased and they get to the edge of the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go. And That's such a great image. You got Dallas Jenkins there with an army of Egyptians behind him and he's just getting comfortable. Yeah, I, I mean, to be to be comfortable in that moment and to not be like swimming rapidly or all right, it's my job to, to part these waters. What am I going to do? You know, like trying to, 
you know, part the Red Sea, uh, to, to really genuinely live out the contentment of being at that edge of the Red Sea and to be comfortable in that is uh, a daily exercise. And I'm growing to love that. Now that when it comes to the show itself, I hope that that I hope that on social media my journey impacts others, and, and so far it has been. But then the content of the show is I want you to know Jesus better than you did before you started watching that particular episode. Now that's not a, I'm not a replacement for scripture. Jonathan Rumi is not Jesus, but there, if there's some insight that we can give, if there's some um, nugget of truth that maybe you've known but haven't seen in that way, or maybe by seeing it through this perspective, it just makes it more real and more uh, connective. Uh, that's what I want to do. Awesome. Dallas Jenkins, thank you for being here. Do you have any final thoughts? I don't, man. This is your, your home turf. If you're good, I'm good. Um, you know, as always, I hope people know where to find the show. Um, it's free and it's easy and it's on the app. And uh, by the time you watch this, we, we're getting close to actually having the app on certain streaming devices, meaning as of right now, you'd connect it from your phone to your Roku or to your Fire Stick. We are not long from having it actually already on the Roku and the Fire Stick to where you don't have to go through your phone. So, uh, but just bear with us. And I know technological advancements are always tough, but keep, uh, keep, keep going at it. Awesome. Dallas, thank you so much for being here. Everybody watching, Go watch The Chosen. It's free. You got nothing, nothing to lose. If you hate it, then you don't have to watch it. But it, it, you're not going to lose anything. It's fantastic. Dallas, I'm sorry for getting you in trouble with our last interview. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, but no, I, I got, I know, I, 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 you, you didn't make me say anything. So you're good. I, I love our conversations. I'm, I'm happy you came back. Hopefully we can talk again sometime if you don't get too busy. Um, but everyone, go check out The Chosen. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. Go, go subscribe to The Chosen's channel as well. Check them out on Facebook. There's a YouTube channel as well, right, where you do live streams and whatnot. Absolutely. The level of, of interaction you have on the ground level with fans is, is just still so shocking and, and humbling. And, and so I, you're, you're one of my role models. I, I appreciate you so much. Oh, wow. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Great, 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 great being on your channel again. Thank you so much, Dallas. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.